What is going on, sports fans, and welcome into Season 5, Episode 12 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. We've got an absolutely exciting and loaded show, a lot of sports to talk about this week. NBA playoffs, the conference finals are set. I give you my picks, who I think is going to advance to the NBA finals. We also talk some hockey playoffs. Uh, the baseball season in full swing, the Guardians showing signs of life for the first time in, in weeks, and also the NFL schedule game for some of the teams, including your Cleveland Browns, as the schedule was released in the NFL. So that is all coming up on this week's show. Today is Monday, May 15th. Let's go. And welcome in to Season 5, Episode 12 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. I'm your host with the most too sweet to be sour at the top of the hour. It's your man Jack Bernie with another loaded edition of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. We've got a lot to get to on this week's show, but we're going to start with the NBA and the playoffs, the conference finals in full swing. And it is Monday, May 15th at 5.25 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And the Golden State Warriors dynasty is dead. We're going to start there as LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. They don't blow a 3-1 lead, no matter what a Corgi on TikTok might have said. And they beat the Warriors in six at the Staples Center as the Lakers win in six and move on to the NBA Conference Finals. And the Warriors, the dynasty is over. I mean, at least that's what it seems like. And LeBron moves to... I believe he's now two and three against Steph in the playoffs, including the obviously the finals. But with a fully healthy team, and with with a fully healthy team, and um, no Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and the Warriors have never beaten LeBron James in the playoffs. So I'm just gonna leave it at that. But at the end of the day, I think Steph had Steph is a top five player in the league still. One of the greatest players ever. Probably a top 15 player ever. Um, he had a great playoff run that game seven in Sacramento when he put up 50 points. But the Warriors, they had the same roster essentially this year as they did last year. And obviously last year they won the title. But, you know, Wiggins not playing a lot at the end of the regular season. That hurt them. Draymond affects the game greatly defensively, but not on the offensive end. And Clay. And Jordan Poole, 
took major steps back, and they were huge contributors last year in the playoff run. They didn't do much this year, so that was another big reason. But the Lakers, I mean, shout-out to the Lakers, shout-out to Darvin Ham. The Lakers have been one of the best teams in the league since the trade deadline when they made the move to acquire the likes of D'Angelo Russell and Jared Vanderbilt and those guys. And the Lakers played well this series. Um, for the Lakers, it starts and ends with Anthony Davis. He... In the first two series, he's dominated, when he, and when he plays well, they win. And it's been really interesting to see LeBron, who in my opinion, as you guys know, is the, great, is the greatest player of all time. It's been really interesting to watch him in these playoffs. Um, he, he's dealing with that foot injury that we heard about. Um, he, does, he, he shows signs of that same burst in athleticism, but not as consistently, you know, he, he doesn't look like that freight train, and part of it's because of the foot injury. But LeBron is such a smart player. He's been playing at this high of a level for so long, for 20 years. This is his 20th season in the NBA. He knows what's needed from him on a night-in and night-out basis for the Lakers to win. If he needs to be a facilitator and pass a bunch, he can do that. If he needs to get rebounds when he had 20 rebounds against Memphis, he can do that. He is so good at picking and choosing his spots and – not only does it allow Anthony Davis to take more of the lead on the offensive side of the ball and allow others to get more involved in the Laker offense, but it also allows LeBron to conserve his energy. And when they need him to show up and be the best player on the floor, which he is certainly capable of still, he can do it. In the closeout game against the Warriors, LeBron had 30 points, 9 rebounds, 9 assists. Um, in that overtime against Memphis in game th four, I think, when he had 22 points, 20 rebounds, he had the, ga he had the game tying shot. He is so good at conserving his energy and picking and choosing his spots. And you look at his numbers in these playoffs, 24 points, 10 and a half rebounds, five and a half assists. That's basically what Jalen Brown's putting up for the Celtics. So LeBron is having a good playoff run by anybody else's standards, but since he's LeBron James, people aren't going to say it's a good playoff run. But I think I'm honestly more impressed almost with LeBron in this playoff run than maybe the 2020 playoff run when the Lakers won in the bubble because LeBron is playing a completely new brand and version of basketball that we haven't seen from him before in the playoffs and he's still finding ways to help the team win and I think that is really cool to see and for a guy who's been here this long been playing at this high of a level for so long for him to continue to uh to um elevate his game and change his game even on a nightly basis is really awesome but they beat the Warriors um the Warriors are gonna have an interesting summer um I, th I thought Draymond was gone. Um, he might come back is what we're hearing now. I thought Draymond was gone. I thought he was going to go to the Clippers or somewhere else like that because I didn't think the Warriors were going to pay him, quite frankly. They're already paying a ton of money to Steph, a ton of money to Clay, a ton of money to Poole, and a ton of money to Wiggins. So I didn't think Draymond would get an extension. But Draymond goes on the, uh, the, the podium after the game and says, you know, I'm going to – We've got a championship roster, and we're going to run it back next year, and we can do this for years. I just don't see it happening. I think the Warriors need to make, need to have a conversation within their organization about Clay and Draymond because Steph is playing at one of the highest levels we've seen Steph Curry play at in his career, and you can't be wasting his prime since he's 35 years old. He's going to be 36. You have to capitalize on these years with Steph. 
And if that means trading those two for another star or letting them walk so you can sign another star in free agency, that's what it means. But LeBron knocks out Steph. The Lakers win. Uh, they get contributions across the board. And they have a really deep team. And I, I give a lot of credit to LeBron and AD for leading this team. But I also have to give a ton of credit to their head coach, Darvin Ham because, you know, we saw the Lonnie Walker game in game four. We've seen Austin Reeves step up. We've seen guys get huge minutes in these playoffs. Rui Hachimura in game one against Memphis. We've seen these guys who are, you know, role players step up huge in the biggest moments. And it's a credit to Darvin Ham and to Rob Palenka too for building this roster, but to Darvin Ham for knowing when to push the right buttons and when to get the right rotation and rotations and pieces in there. And he's done an excellent job of that throughout the playoffs. And it's a big reason why the Lakers find themselves in the conference finals. And in the West Finals, they will take on the Nuggets as the Nuggets beat the Suns in six games. The Suns get run off the floor on their home floor for the second straight season as the uh, the Nuggets win by 30 in game six. Nikola Jokic had an outstanding series. Jamal Murray played well. I think the Nuggets probably are the best team in basketball right now in reigning in the playoffs. I don't know who I'm going to pick between them and the Lakers, if I'm being completely honest, but the best team thus far in the playoffs has been the Denver Nuggets, and I think no one will argue with that. They've been, especially on the offensive end, just when Jokic is running everything, they are just a treat to watch. He is just, I think he's one of my favorite players to watch in the league just because of how much control Nikola Jokic has on Denver's offense and how he controls everything and everything runs through him and he's a center but he plays like a point guard in a lot of aspects and he is so dominant in the post and his passing is so good too but they they beat the Suns run them off the floor and um the Suns they you know they traded for Kevin Durant uh they obviously didn't have Chris Paul for the latter half of this series but they make a big move as they fire their head coach, Monty Williams, um, announced yesterday. And now Monty Williams is no longer the coach of the Phoenix Suns, so they need a new coach. The Bucks fired Mike Budenholzer as well. They need a new coach too. So the NBA, man, those two guys recently won coach of the year. They were in. They coached against each other in the finals just two years ago, and now they are both fired. I mean, that's how quickly the NBA turns on its head. And I think – they're, they both should get coaching jobs moving forward. So <laughs> that's that, that's just the state of the NBA. But it's the Nuggets and the Lakers in the um, Western Conference Finals. It gets started on Tuesday night in Denver. Both these teams have never have not lost a game at home in these playoffs. The Lakers obviously won both their home games against Memphis. Uh Three, three of their home games against Memphis and three of their home games against Golden State. So they're 6-0 at home. And then Denver also is 6-0 at home in these playoffs. So this series is going to be fun. And while we're at it, the Eastern Conference Finals, which we're going to talk about first, I think we're going to predict the West first and then go to the East, tell you what happened in the semis, and then predict the East. But the Eastern Conference Final is between the Celtics and the Heat. And the Western Conference Finals is between the Lakers and the Nuggets. And, you know, everybody says the Mickey Mouse ring. They like to make fun of that bubble ring that LeBron and the Lakers won. But these are the same Conference Finals, the exact same matchups 
that it was in the bubble just three years ago. So I don't know how you can discount that ring because these are the same four teams that are in the conference finals. So Vegas right now, um, this is overall for title favorites, but it kind of tells you we're going to get into the Nuggets-Lakers prediction here. Vegas right now has the Celtics at plus 105 to win the title. They are the outright favorites. Then they got the Nuggets at plus 240, the Lakers at plus 300, and the Heat at plus 1600 to win the NBA title. So that is what... That is what Vegas envisions. They got. They think it's going to be Celtics-Nuggets based off that, picking the two teams with home court advantage. Um, this Nuggets-Lakers series is interesting, and obviously the big matchup that's going to decide this series is going to be Anthony Davis versus Nikola Jokic. Um, Davis is probably the best defensive player in the game. Um, impacts games with his defense night in and night out. And I think you could argue he does that better than anybody in the league on the defensive side of the ball. He's been a defensive player of the year. He's been a defense all defensive team in the NBA. He's been he is one of the best defensive players in the league. Jokic, I think, and Chauncey and I talk have talked about this. Um, Bill Simmons talked about it on one of his podcasts. We said one of the biggest storylines coming into this playoffs was that the best player in the world title and the belt, if you will, is kind of sort of up for grabs, you know, because it's, you know, Curry is, you know, Curry won it last year, but we don't think the Warriors are going to win. You know, it could be Giannis, but maybe Giannis doesn't win this year, which obviously he didn't. So it's the first time in a while, it feels like, you know, because it was, it was Kobe in 2009. Then it was LeBron from 2010 to, you know, 2018. You could throw Steph and Durant in that eight-year gap as well. 2019, I would say it was Kawhi. 2020, it was LeBron again. 2021, it was Giannis. And last year, it was Steph. So it's been, like, a group of guys. and But now it feels like for the first time, it is up for grabs. But I would say Jokic, in my opinion, right now is the best player in the playoffs and the best basketball player on the planet, in my opinion. Just how much control he has, how skilled he is, and how much, how valuable he is to his team, and how much he carries that team on a night-in and night-out basis. So that's what I would think the, um, that's what what I see this series being. The best offensive player in the game in Jokic versus the best defensive player in the game in Anthony Davis. And obviously it's a big man matchup. Um, the Nuggets are favored in this series. They have home court. <sighs> Obviously, I want to pick the Lakers for LeBron, but if I'm going with my head in this one, here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. I think whichever road team wins a game in this series first, I think that team will win this series. So if the Lakers take game one, I think they're going to win this series. If the Nuggets take game three, I think they're going to win this series. I think whoever wins the first road game of this series will be the team that wins. However, I can see this being a series that goes seven that the home team wins every time. That would not shock me. I, so I think Jokic is the best player in the league. Um, he 
will guarantee that Denver gets good looks and takes high percentage shots all series long. Um, Anthony Davis needs to play good defense on him. And when you're sitting here analyzing this matchup between Jokic and AD, Anthony Davis and the Lakers, they have to stop Jokic from either scoring or assisting. Because if Jokic scores and assists at the level he's capable of, and if he's able to do both consistently throughout this series, the Lakers will lose this series. You can't let Jokic control the game and control the offensive end of the ball for Denver with his passing and his scoring. you got to make it one or the other. It's obviously the best offense in the league in Denver versus the best defense in the league since the trade deadline in the Lakers. I think the Lakers probably could find a lineup that can, you know, confuse Denver a little bit and, you know, kind of make the game a little bit uglier. And I think that's what the Lakers want in this series. I don't think they're going to want this to score in the 120s and the 130s like Denver's going to. I think the Lakers are going to want this series to be scored in the 100s and the 110s because if this series is slowed down, the pace is slowed down, and it's lower scoring, I think that would give the Lakers a better chance to win. Um, But that's the problem I see with the Lakers in this series. I think the Lakers are good enough defensively to cause trouble for Denver, but I don't think they're good enough offensively to consistently outscore Denver, which is why I think if they... they, um, If they struggle to score... It's going to be tough for me to pick the Lakers in this series. I think they need to prioritize spacing. Um, but if they prioritize spacing, they might not be able to get as much stops on the defensive side of the ball. They need Anthony Davis to play good on the perimeter as well because Jokic plays good on there on offense. Um, obviously, I'd, I've learned to bet to not to bet against LeBron James. The fact that the Lakers are even in this position is remarkable. Um, Davis has been inconsistent this postseason, but when he's been good, he's been a top five player in the league. And if he could play like that for the bulk of this series, I think the Lakers should have the edge. But I think I got to pick the Nuggets in seven. Um, I think I just got to pick the Nuggets in seven. They've been the most consistent team in the postseason. They've proven time and time again they can adjust and respond after they lose in this postseason. The Lakers have had two impressive series against the Grizzlies and and the, uh, the defending champion Warriors, but Denver has more depth. Uh, they're a better offensive team. No, Nikola Jokic is playing an unbelievable level right now. It's not going to be easy to beat the Lakers, which is why I think it's going to go seven. That's a testament to LeBron. That's a testament to AD. But Jokic is so dominant that he guarantees a good look pretty much for this Nuggets offense every time he touches the ball. And the Nuggets have a serious home court advantage with the elevation in Denver. Um, I think they have what it takes to win the West. And so I'm going to take the Nuggets to win the, that series in seven in the Western Conference Finals and advance to the NBA Finals. In the East, it's Celtics Heat. As the Celtics beat the Sixers in Sunday's Game 7, they run them off the floor in the third quarter. And the Sixers, after being up 3-2, lose that series in seven games to Boston. And it really looked like the Sixers were in control of that series. They were up 
by four in the fourth quarter of game six with a 3-2 lead. Jason Tatum was one of 14 from the field. And then Tatum remembered how to play basketball. He had 16 points in the fourth quarter in game six. And then in game seven, he put up 51 points, which broke Steph Curry's one-week-old record, it seemed like, of the most points scored in a game seven in playoff history. So the Celtics get it done. Um, Sixers kind of let it slide away, but... It was a good series. Um, I think the, the Celtics, when they are consistent, I think have the best chance to win the finals, which is why Vegas has them favored. But the problem is the Celtics haven't been consistent in these playoffs. Going to six with Atlanta was something that shouldn't have happened. And trailing in this series against Philly should not have happened either. But the Celtics get it done. Uh, they just need more consistency, especially out of Tatum and especially out of Jalen. Jalen Brown and those dudes. They need them to be way more consistent. But they get get it done against the Sixers in seven. They will face off with the Heat, who get uh who take care of business against the New York Knicks in six games. Miami Heat and the Celtics are meeting in the Eastern Conference Finals for the third time in the last four years. So let's take a look at this series. Um first off, I'm glad the Knicks are eliminated. They beat the Cavs. Jalen Brunson had a good playoff run, but the Knicks have a lot of questions with Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett because I don't think those guys are good enough secondary stars outside of Brunson to go anywhere in the playoffs. Um, But let's get Celtics heat. Um, Looking at this series on paper and looking at the past, especially last year, you're looking at the series from last year and you're sitting here going, all right, it went seven, the Celtics win in seven, um, and the Heat had home court in that series, and they had a healthy Tyler Hero. So by that logic, the Celtics should have the upper edge in this series because they have home court this time, and the Heat don't have Hero, and they were still able to beat him last year. But I don't know. I think the biggest thing in this series is consistency. You heard me talk about it with the Celtics. When the Celtics are consistent, which they haven't been in these playoffs, I think the Celtics are probably the best team in the league. But they haven't been consistent. And believe it or not, outside of that game two in Milwaukee against the Bucks, believe it or not, the, the Miami Heat, the eight-seeded Miami Heat, have probably been the most consistent team outside of Denver in these playoffs. Miami shows up night in and night out. They play a tough, gritty, hard-nosed, physical brand of basketball. Uh, Jimmy Butler, I think, probably is the best player in this series. And whenever you have the best player in the series, and whenever you have definitely, definitely have a coaching advantage with Eric Spolstra over Joe Mazzula, you've got a shot, even if you don't have home court advantage. But I think it's going to be a, a grinding, physical, defensive-minded series. Um... Boston has a lot more talent, but there's going to be a lot of factors that are able to narrow that talent gap, including Boston plays lackadaisical sometimes. They they aren't consistent. Miami is razor-sharp focused all the time. Eric Spolster's got a big coaching advantage over Joe Mazzula, like I said. Jimmy Buckets playing at this level in the playoffs. Um, and I think what, what it could come down to is it's Jimmy Butler versus Jason Tatum. Uh which player is going to take over this series? I think the Celtics are t- are very deep and talented. 
But part of me wants to pick the Heat. I think Jimmy Butler can dominate a game or two. I think the Heat can win an ugly game. And if it gets to seven, anything can happen. So I think it's going to go seven. Um, Miami is going to do everything they can to make this series a living hell for Boston. Uh, but I, I just don't know who I'm going to pick. I'm picking this on the fly here because the more I think about it, I've told you guys already, I think the Celtics are the best team in the league, best team remaining in the playoffs when they're locked in. But I can't guarantee they're going to be locked in. I can guarantee that Miami is going to be locked in. So, I mean, it's going to be a great series, I think. And I think the I'm going to pick Miami. I think I'm going to pick the Miami Heat to win this series in seven games. It's hard to trust Boston, I think. Um, for Boston's sake, you got to hope that those games in six and seven against Philadelphia woke them up. But I'm going to... Trust Jimmy Butler and Eric Spolstra before I trust Joe Mazzula and that Celtics team. And it's hard to get back to the finals after being there last year. That's another factor in this prediction. And the Heat have more rest. They've been battle-tested against the Bucks and the Knicks, two teams that play, you know, two, two teams that are very talented. You know, the Celtics played the Hawks and went to six there, and then they played Philly and went to seven, and they've been tested too, but I just, I like Miami in this series to win in seven. So I think it's going to be my uh, the Heat versus the Nuggets in the finals, which would be a very, very interesting matchup in the NBA finals if we were able to get that. So that's what's going on around the NBA playoffs. Uh, real quick, we got to touch on John Morant a little bit before we go to break. Um so, John Morant, you guys know him. He is the superstar of the, the Memphis Grizzlies, the all, their all-star point guard, a shooting guard. I don't know what position he plays. Well, shooting guard maybe after what I'm about to say. Um, so, if you guys may remember earlier this year, John Morant got suspended by the Grizzlies after what appeared to be him flashing a gun on Instagram Live. It was earlier this year in February. Uh, he got suspended for like... And was away from the Grizzlies for like maybe like two or three weeks. But he eventually came back, you know, played the rest of the season, played the playoffs, all that good stuff. He talked to Adam Silver, you know, all that stuff. They thought they had it under control. But then yesterday, there's another video, another Instagram Live that comes out. And John Morant does the same thing. Flashing the gun on Instagram Live. And now he has been suspended from Grizzlies activities indefinitely. And what Adrian Wojnarowski and all the other NBA reporters are reporting is that if the NBA indeed does find that it was a firearm in that video, that Jaws going to receive a significant suspension. What I've heard is maybe 40 games or so. So that would be very significant news for John Morant. But come on, man. You got to be smarter than that. You are – and I get people saying, you know, he's got Second Amendment rights, all that stuff. Yeah. If he, if, he, if he wants to have a gun, I mean, it's not like he shot the gun. If he wants to have a gun, that's fine. But why are you, you as an NBA player, um, you know, who, who a role model to young kids, why are you flashing a gun on Instagram Live trying to make it look like you're this, this tough guy, you know? I mean, I just think John Morant needs to be smarter and... 
It was obviously a problem the last time he did it, but he does it again. And I I just don't know. I mean, I don't know what why he thinks that's a good idea. I mean, I get the and a big difference I think is in the NFL, when you come out of the NFL, you're 22, 23 years old, you went through college. When you come out of the NBA, you're a 19-year-old kid. There's a big difference between a 19-year-old and a 22-year-old and just their maturity levels, their how developed their brain is, and that sort of thing. And so I get it. John Morant's young, but he's also a superstar who is the face of a franchise, who could be one of the faces of the league. You can't be flashing guns on Instagram Live. I mean, it's just not a good look for the league, especially, you know, with all the, the gun violence that happens in America to begin with. It's not smart for John Morant. And I hope that he learns from it. I hope that the suspension that potentially is coming his way helps him learn from his mistakes because I, I mean, I do think he's a very talented player and it would be a shame to see his career get ruined by this. But at the end of the day, you got to be smarter. I mean, these guys have agents. These guys have public relations people for a reason. I, I don't see how they let this <laughs> they let this happen again after it happening back in February and it causing causing him to miss time again. You know, I, I just don't I just don't get it, man. But he's suspended. He could face a significant suspension to uh, start the 2023-2024 NBA season. And it's going to be – but Ja has been in so much trouble this, this season, you know. Remember him beating up the 17-year-old kid, that, that report coming out? This is the second time he's he's done this. I just don't understand why this is happening. You know, why are you flashing the gun? Are you trying to send a message to somebody that you have a gun? Are you trying to threaten someone on social media? I mean, why would you be doing this right after you just came back from a suspension? Um, but he's such a talented player. I hope he either gets the help or, you know, starts to understand why this is not okay, what he's been doing, but it's just something that you don't like seeing. And I'd rather be talking about John Morant and the Grizzlies making a deep playoff run than talking about John Morant um, doing another thing like this. I mean, if he keeps doing this, he could get kicked out of the league or be out of the league. Um, the And the NBA, I think they need to be harder on Morant. The last time they only gave him 10 days of counseling. Uh, and then he did it again. I mean, I hope John Moran can figure out whatever's going on because he's too talented of a player to have this be the thing that defines his career. So that's my thoughts on that. But I thought we just we had we just had to chime in on that again because it happened again, and a lot of people in the media are chiming in on it. So I thought you guys might want my thoughts on that as well. All right, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back. Quick hockey playoffs. Then we play the schedule game in the NFL and talk. Some Cleveland Guardians and MLB baseball. We will be right back after this. This is wrestling legend John Cena. And you can't see me, but you're listening to this week's episode, Jack of All Trades. Here's part two.
Welcome back to Season 5, Episode 12 of the Jack of All Trades Sports Podcast. Schedule game with the Browns and the winners and losers from the NFL schedule release coming up, as well as Cleveland Guardians and MLB talk. We're going to start with the hockey playoffs in a second here, but just want to remind you guys to support the podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, go ahead and follow the podcast on Instagram at Jote Sports Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at The Real J Burns, at The Real J B E R N Z, or at Jack Bernie TV. I'm active on both those Twitters. One of them is for my TV reporting. One of them is for just general thoughts and sports takes that uh, <laughs> uh, that I that I vent a lot more on the other one. Um, and also, while you guys are listening, uh, if you enjoy this podcast, if you're a big sports fan, uh, be a friend, tell a friend, share the podcast. Um, we do it through Spotify for podcasters now instead of Anchor. Um, the nice thing about Anchor was um, it automatically set up ads for you. Uh, for Spotify for podcasters, we need to have 100 unique listeners in the last 60 days. Um, so what that means is we need new listeners. So we uh, we just need some new, new listeners to be able to start doing ads again and that sort of thing. So if you guys are big sports fans, if you guys like this podcast, share it with your friends. Uh, tell them to listen and uh, I'd appreciate that very, very much. All right, let's talk some hockey playoffs. Um Stanley Cup playoffs are in full swing as the um, three out of the four conference final teams are finalized and the fourth one will be finalized tonight as we got a game seven. Not a lot of things better than a hockey game seven in the Stanley Cup playoffs as it will happen in Dallas as the two-seeded Dallas Stars will take on the Seattle Kraken who were the, uh, the wild card team who beat the defending champion Colorado Avalanche in the first round in seven. So this is their second game seven. I believe I saw this stat on Saturday night that they were the sixth franchise all time to have their first two playoff series as a franchise go to game sevens. So the Kraken and the Stars, I would lean toward the Stars winning on home ice, but what a season for the Kraken it's been. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if either of those teams ends up winning that game seven, but I think I would probably lean toward the stars because they have home ice. Uh, Vegas knocks out uh, Connor McDavid and the Oilers in the uh, in game six last night as the Golden Knights move on to the conference finals. And then in the Eastern Conference Finals, we got the Cinderella Florida Panthers, who obviously knocked off the uh, the all time winningest. Uh, team in NHL history in the regular season, the Boston Bruins in seven in round one. They knock out the feel-good story Toronto Maple Leafs in round two in five games, and they're setting up a conference finals with the Carolina Hurricanes, who probably them in Vegas have looked the best so far in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So it's been an entertaining hockey playoffs. I think the matchups haven't been great. There have been some great games, but the series really haven't been that great um, outside of this Dallas-Seattle uh, one has been very, very good. So I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen um, the rest of the way. I think the Oilers missed a golden opportunity to have one of their best chances to win with Connor McTavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I thought... After the Avs lost, maybe if the if the Oilers could get past, if the Oilers could get past the um, the Vegas Golden Knights, I thought I thought the Oilers were probably the favorites to win it. 
Um, I think, but in the game seven tonight for Seattle and the Stars, I'm going to pick the Stars. Um, they need Jake Ottinger to play well. Uh, they also need Rue Pince to play well. He didn't get a point in game six. Um, he's tied for second in the uh, in points this postseason with 18 points. They need him to play well. I think Dallas is going to win. I think they'll win maybe by a score like 3-1, three, 4-3, three, 4-2, four, three, four, something like that. Um, the Kraken, nothing to be ashamed of if the Kraken lose. I think they're I think but I think that the stars are gonna get a stronger auditor outing. Um Dallas probably should have already won this series. Um, but I think they're gonna get the saves from Ottinger in game seven. They got the home crowd, and I think the stars are gonna be the team playing with all the desperation because it is on their home ice. So I will take the stars to win tonight in game seven over the Kraken, which would set up a stars Vegas Western Conference final, which I would lean Vegas in. And then the Eastern Conference Final, I feel like it's kind of wide open in the East. Um, I would probably lean with the Carolina Hurricanes because they do have home ice. They are favored. But, I mean, after seeing the Florida Panthers do what they did in the first round against the Bruins, in the second round against the Maple Leafs, and with the level Matthew Kachuk and the rest of those guys are playing at right now for Florida, I mean – I wouldn't blame you if you thought Florida was going to win. But, I mean, it's looking like Carolina-Vegas. If I had to just base it off the eye test, what I think it would be would be Carolina-Vegas in the Stanley Cup final if I had to pick today. All right, let's get to the MLB real quick before we get to the NFL schedule release. So the MLB season, we are about, what, 40 games in for most teams, a little over 40 for some others. And really not much has changed. Um The AL East is still the best division in baseball with the Rays, Orioles, Blue Jays, Yankees, and Red Sox all above 500. The Rays 31-11, best record in the league. Orioles 26-14, they're in second place. But every team in the AL East is still above 500. The AL Central, the Twins 23-18, they hold a three and a half game lead on the Guardians. But the Guardians, like I said in the open, are finally starting to show signs of life. Big, it was a big weekend series for the Guardians as they took on the Angels at Progressive Field. And they really had, probably should have swept the Angels, but they win two out of three games on the heroics three nights in a row of Josh Naylor, who hit, who became the first player in the expansion era to hit a go-ahead home run in three straight games in the eighth inning or later for a team. And he did it on Friday night. He had a two-run homer to make it 4-3. And the Guardians would lose and would lose as Class A blew his save and the Angels won it five to four. And then on Saturday he had a three-run homer that made it seven six. And the Guardians scored six runs in the in the eighth to uh win that game eight to six. And then yesterday he had a three-run homer that made it four to one. The Guardians held on to win four to three. So Josh Naylor is heating up and I said, I said on last week's show, what they need is they need a spark. I said, I didn't know where it's going to come from, but the offense was what concerned me most last week. Still concerns me most about this Cleveland Guardians team. I need more consistency from the offense. Quan and Jose have been consistent. They've been all right. They haven't really gotten, you know, to carry a lineup, like especially Jose. We've seen his ability in the past to carry a lineup. But I said, you know, guys like Jimenez, Naylor, and Bell need to step up and Naylor is turning the corner right now. Those three big home runs. I mean, 
Friday night, those three swings, including Friday night, even though they lost, just the feel that home run gave to Naylor, gave to the team, and the belief that they weren't out of that game. You know, I think that's what, it reminded me of last year a little bit. And you remember last year, the real turning point, in my opinion, the first turning point of the year for the Guardians last year was the Josh Naylor game against the White Sox when he had eight RBIs, hit that three-run homer in the ninth, and the grand slam in the 11th. Um, And he had eight RBIs in like the last three innings or whatever it was. And the Guardians came back from six runs down the ninth to beat the White Sox. And maybe a similar turning point for the Guardians this season on the bat of Josh Naylor. But I looked at his baseball savant page today, and his metrics are actually good. He's just not getting the results that you would expect from the quality of contact he's making. So what that means is he's hitting the ball well. His WOBA, which is weighted on base average, his expected WOBA, which is expected weighted on base average, which takes into account which which takes into account stuff like exit velocity, launch angle, that sort of thing on balls that hitters put in play and it somewhat eliminates defense from the equation. That's a real better measurement of how good of a season a hitter is having. And Naylor's XWOBA and WOBA are career highs. He's just not hitting for average because he's making good contact, but he's hitting it right at guys. And sometimes that's how the game goes. But I think it's been huge for Naylor's confidence, huge for the team's confidence. Those three swings of the bat, those three homers could be the turning point for the Guardian season. Naylor's hot. He's getting going at the right time, and they they needed it, man, because they would have lost that series to the Angels. I mean, the vibes wouldn't have been good, and the vibes finally start feeling up with that ball club, and you could kind of tell something a, a, a switch flipped on Friday night when Naylor hit that home run, even though they lost. The team started to believe. You just got to believe. You got to buy in. And Terry Francona, that's what makes him such a good manager is these all these young guys buy in. They, The young guys maybe were young and naive enough last year to continue playing, continue fighting, continue winning despite going through struggles. But it's the second year for a lot of these guys. You started a lot of rookies. You played a lot of rookies. You're playing a lot of young guys who this is their first time experiencing a full major league season or their second time experiencing a full major league season. Obviously like guys like Jose, like Naylor, like Bell, it's not, but you know, like the Quans of the world, the, the Will Brennans of the world, the Jimenez, even those guys, they're young. So we knew that there would be struggles this year. We just got to remain by bought in and just continue to believe that things will turn around because like for Josh Naylor, who's been one of the most, who's been one of the unluckiest hitters in baseball based off metrics, it's going to turn around. And so, I mean, it's good to start seeing that turnaround for Naylor and for the guardians. The starting pitching has been a lot better for the guardians. Uh, They got an outstanding outing from Tanner Bybee yesterday, 7.2 innings, uh, one earned run, and zero walks, eight strikeouts, I believe. Logan Allen's been good as well. Bieber's been Bieber. Um, and then, I mean, the, those three have been outstanding. 
They got to get McKenzie back healthy, which they should. I, I'm hearing at the end of the month is when they're going to get Tristan McKenzie back. I'm not sure what they're going to do with Aaron Savali, but I think they need to call up Gavin Williams soon. He is, I think, the the top, the second best pitching prospect in, in the organization behind Espino. But obviously, Daniel Espino is hurt, so he, in my opinion, he is the best pitching uh, prospect in the organization. He's made six starts in AAA. Or no, he's made three starts in AAA, six starts in the minor leagues this year. Uh, his ERA is .98, and he's throwing 100 miles an hour. I mean, he is just dominating. These guys aren't touching him. And I'm sitting here going, and this was brought up in the Selby is Godcast today. Great Cleveland Guardians podcast. They don't know, and we don't know, where Gavin Williams fits into the rotation this year. But if he gives you the best chance to win games, I think you got to put him in. And when you're looking at him throwing 101, 102 miles an hour as a starter in AAA, starters don't throw that fast forever. How much of the of that velocity and that arm talent this young in his career do you want to waste on AAA hitters when you can challenge that and challenge his stuff against major leaguers? That's my opinion on Gavin Williams. But the starting pitching's been better. Naylor... If he can carry this lineup for a couple weeks, they got to get Ramirez going. They got to get these other guys going. Jimenez hit a home run on Saturday night. Hopefully that gets him going, and we'll see where that goes. I do think they will bring up Bo Naylor soon. That is another move I want the Guardians to make. Got to bring up Bo Naylor because he can't have Cam Gallagher being your backup catcher, in my opinion. But the Guardians sit 19-21, games back of Minnesota. Got a big a road trip coming up. They got the White Sox for three and they got at the New York Mets this weekend so that's if they can take two out of three from the White Sox be 500 going into that Mets series you'll feel good and then they'll wrap up the the uh the month with three at home versus the White Sox three at home versus the Cardinals and then at Baltimore for a tough series to end the month but I think for the Guardians you want to try and be at least 500 maybe a couple games over 500 at the end of May. And if you're right around 500 or over 500 at the end of May, when you get Tristan McKenzie back, when you hopefully get Aaron Savali back, and maybe hopefully you get some guys going, that'll be a good sign for the Guardians moving forward. Elsewhere in the uh, in baseball standings, the Rangers continue to lead the AL West. They lead it by four games over the Astros, four and a half over the Angels, and five over the Mariners. So all those teams are at or above 500, though, in the American League West. In the National League, the Braves maintain a five-game lead over the Phillies, the Mets, and the Marlins only a half game behind the Phillies for second place in the NL East. In the NL Central, the Brewers lead the Pirates by one and a half games. The Cubs and the Reds are four and five games back, but the Cardinals slowly playing better baseball, six and four in their last ten, uh, raise their record to 16-25 and 25 after that dreadful start. In the NL West, the Dodgers lead the Diamondbacks by three games. The Padres, three games below 500 at 19-22. and 22. So that's what's going on around baseball. All right. It's everybody's favorite time of the year, the NFL schedule game. The NFL released its schedules. We're going to play the schedule game with the Browns in a minute. But first, let's go ahead and give you the winners and losers of the schedule releases. The NFL released all 272 of its upcoming regular season matchups. A lot of great showdowns, including the Bills-Jets opener on Monday Night Football, which is going to be Aaron Rodgers' first game in New York. 
a divisional theme Thanksgiving triple header, some potential Super Bowl previews, and much, much more. So we got some great games. Let's take a look at some of the winners and losers, though, this schedule release and my initial takeaways on this schedule. The Bears are a big winner of this schedule release. Um, the Bears were already set to play a bottom-half schedule, matched up with the 15th easiest slate in terms of, of last year's um, opponent's win percentage. But they've got a lot of primetime games, too. Even though they were 3-14 last year, dead last in the NFL, the Bears have four primetime games in front of a national audience, including a midseason trip to face Justin Herbert and the L.A. Chargers. And the NFL seems like it's buy they're buying into Justin Fields' star potential. So the Bears get an easy schedule, and they get a lot of chances to play in primetime. They're a winner. A loser is the Giants. Um... They have the fourth hardest schedule in the league. Um, but on top of that, they opened the season with six of their first 10 games coming on the road. Um, they do have four of their last six games at home. But if the early goings prove too much, the late home stretch won't matter. So here's who they have in the first six weeks. Versus Dallas at Arizona. They should win that. But then they got at 49ers on a short week. Versus Seattle at the Dolphins on a short week, then at the Bills. So that's a pretty tough first six games for the uh, the New York football giants who made the playoffs last year. Even as a contender, you'd think for the playoffs, getting a 3-3 three and three start to start the year might feel like a big win for the Giants. Um, but despite me saying that, the New York fans in the New York market were a big winner because the Giants and the Jets get a ton of attention um, they combined for 11 primetime appearances in 2023, uh, and the NFL is really buying into the Big Apple success for the upcoming season. Another big loser is the Eagles. Um, they got a tough schedule. Obviously, they're going to be great. They're going to be Super Bowl contenders. Uh, after advancing to the Super Bowl, though, they got the hardest schedule based off opponents' strength of record last year. Um... And laid out week to week, um, it's even clear that they need their A game to retain the number one seed. Look at this six-game stretch right after their bye. At the Chiefs versus the Bills on a short week versus the 49ers at the Cowboys versus the Seahawks and versus the Giants. So that's a list of probable playoff and Super Bowl previews with all those clubs. Gonna, they're going to be competitive, and that's right after the bye. So that's a tough six-game stretch for the Eagles. But like I said, they're going to be good. They're going to be fine. So they're not a big loser, but they are a loser in this schedule release um, sort of thing. And my last winner is football. It's coming back before you know it. So it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun season. All right, let's play the schedule game with the Browns. The Browns get two primetime games in the 2023 NFL season. Uh, Monday, September 18th, at the Pittsburgh Steelers on Monday Night Football, and Thursday, December 17th, I believe. Thursday, December 28th, excuse me. Uh, Thursday Night Football against the Jets. So those are the two. Uh, primetime game for the Browns. Before we get into the schedule release, I guess I should mention the Browns made a big trade as they acquired three-time Pro Bowler from the Vikings defensive lineman Zadarius Smith, I think his name is. I know it's Zadarius. I don't want to mess up the last name, though. Yeah, it is Zadarius Smith. I don't know why I was doubting myself there. 
Yeah, but they get Zedarius Smith from the Vikings. They don't give up a whole lot to get him at all. He's 30 years old. He had a great season last year, three-time Pro Bowler. Um, and I think the, the, the best part about the Browns getting Zedarius Smith is he can be the number two um, pass rusher. And last season he had such a great season pass rushing as the number one guy in Minnesota, 10 sacks. Pro Bowler. Now he can be the second guy behind one of the best players in the league, and Miles Garrett, who's going to get 16, 17 sacks. And then you got a Quo from the Texans, who can be a third pass rusher for the Browns. The Browns have had a great offseason. They, on paper, if Watson is playing at the level he's capable of, the Browns should be contenders for not only the playoffs, not only the division, but the Super Bowl as well. Which brings us to. Our schedule release. The Browns open the season Sunday, September 10th at home versus the Bengals. And despite what many of you think, I mean, the Bengals are going to be good. They're going to win the AFC North if I had to pick today. I think the Browns are going to win that week one game against the Bengals. The Bengals normally start slow. They started slow last year, losing very, very winnable games against a Cooper Rush-led Cowboys team and uh, against Mitch Trubisky and the Steelers. And the Browns play very well at home against the Bengals um, under Kevin Stefanski. They haven't lost at home under the Bengals under Kevin Stefanski. And I think the Browns get off to a good start at home and win that game against the Bengals. Then they got at the Steelers Monday Night Football. I'm going to say that's a loss. Um, they'll probably split with the Steelers if I had to be you know, honest with myself. I think the Steelers are probably going to finish fourth in the AFC North. But I'll give the Steelers that win over the Browns. So I have the Browns starting 1-1. One and one. Big story for the Browns is three out of their first four games are against divisional opponents. So they need to at least go 2-2 two and two in the first four weeks. I have them starting 3-1. and one. Uh, I think they're going to beat the Titans at home. I don't know how good the Titans are going to be this year. And I think they're going to beat the Ravens at home. And I think they're going to start 3-1 and one going into the very, very early bye week in week 5. They'll lose to the 49ers at home. The 49ers will beat them. So the Browns will be 3-2, and two, I think. Heading into Week 7 against the Colts, I hope to go to that game in Indy. I think they beat the Colts in Indy. I think they lose to Seattle in Seattle, so they're 4-3. and three. I think they beat Arizona in Cleveland, the Browns do. Um, so that would be make them 5-3. and three. I think they lose at Baltimore. That would make them 5-4. and four. Now we're on Sunday, November 19th against Pittsburgh. I think they win at home versus Pittsburgh. So that would make them 6-4. and four. I think they split their next two games at Denver and at L.A. And I think I'll have them winning at Denver and losing at L.A. for now. But they could flip-flop. They're not going to win both those games. I think they'll lose. So I'll have them going 7-6 and six through week I believe it's week 12. Well, the, hang on. I got to do math here because the schedule I'm looking at doesn't tell me the week. It just tells me the opponents. But it, it will, it'll be through week... Uh, of course, it's the schedule I'm looking at isn't loading. So this is some behind-the-scenes podcasting you guys are getting here. You know, we're, we're not going to rely on this website. We're going to get a better website because that one is just very stupid. Um, so let me pull up the schedule here, but we were through the Rams game as we remember that. And we're going to recap the schedule game that we just had for you. 
All right, here we go. So I have them winning week one against Cincinnati at home, losing week two at Pittsburgh, but then I have them winning versus Tennessee and versus Baltimore in weeks three and four to have the Browns sitting at three and one heading into the week five bye. I think they're going to lose to San Francisco in week six, but then beat Indianapolis in week seven to sit at, I believe that's five and two, correct? No, four and two. Yeah. So I, th- I think they're going to be four and two through week seven. I think they're going to lose at Seattle to make it four and three. I think they're going to win in week nine versus Arizona to be five and three, but then lose at Baltimore to get back to five and four. I think they win week 11 at home versus Pittsburgh, six and four. We'll have them winning week 12 at Denver, seven and four, losing week 13 at LA, seven and five. I think they beat Jacksonville at home. I really do. I think they're going to be eight and five. I think they beat the Bears at home. Uh, to be nine and five, I think they beat the Texans on the road to be ten and five. I think they beat the Jets at home to be eleven and five, and I think they lose to the Bengals to finish eleven and six. I think they're going to be ten and seven or eleven and six, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a Browns fan. I think looking at the offseason they had, the talent they brought in, Elijah Moore, Zadarius Smith, the the changes they addressed on the defensive side of the ball, getting rid of Joe Woods, hiring Jim Schwartz. And Deshaun Watson returning to Pro Bowl form, which I think will happen. I think the Browns are going to be a playoff contender. I think 10 or 10 and 7, 11 and 6 is not that far fetched at all. So that was the initial schedule game. I'm sure we will talk more and more about the Browns' schedule when we do our NFL season preview. But I wanted to give you my initial thoughts schedule game just right off the bat. That is going to do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Jote Sports Pod. That's at J O A T Sports Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at The Real J Burns, J B E R N Z, or at Jack Bernie TV to keep up with my TV reporting. And we'll be back next week with another award winning episode. Until then, I've been Jack Bernie. Hope you guys have a great week. Be a friend, tell a friend, share the podcast. And as always, we will see you next time. I've been Jack Bernie, signing off.